0: Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. And I certainly greet you all in the precious name of Jesus and welcome you to this service even if it's a bit different than we're used to, and even if we're wishing that we could be gathered together in the normal way. Four weeks ago, the text of the sermon was from Psalm 119, verses one and two. And this time, the text is in the same Psalm, same chapter, that beautiful Psalm 119, But we're moving to three verses pretty much nearly in the middle of the chapter. And like you noticed, that's the verses that I just read. And you might want to just turn there. Psalm 119, verse 67, verse 71, verse 75. And when you get there, you might notice that there is a verb mentioned in all three of those verses. And maybe you're still turning there. I'd just like to read those three verses once again and think with me about the verb there that's mentioned three times. Psalm 119, verse 67, verse 71, verse 75. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. And I had not noticed that the word, the verb afflicted, was here in close proximity three times, here in Psalm 119, till somebody pointed it out to me this week? Afflictions, afflicted. Verse 67, verse 71, verse 75. What are they? What are afflictions? Well, the dictionary says, to distress with mental or bodily pain, trouble greatly or grievously, and you knew what afflictions were even before i read that dictionary definition and i ask you have you experienced any lately like this last week or anything such yes we have yes we are um there's big ones like the covid 19 situation there's much smaller ones we could list many we know about afflictions and the psalmist Maybe David, certainly that was a subject that was apparently close to his heart as he penned these words in Psalm 119. Did you notice that in verse 71, the author goes so far as to say, he dares to express that afflictions produce good things. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. And that's exactly what the New Testament also says in more than one place. Here's a couple of examples. James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of glory which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Hebrews 12.11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. What exactly might this good be? These good things that happens when we're afflicted, when God's children are afflicted. What, What good things? Well, before answering before attempting to answer that question, let me give you the title that I've chosen for the sermon here today. The title is, God's will in afflictions is that I may... dot dot God's will in afflictions is that I may, and then we will attempt to answer what God's will in afflictions is from these three verses. And I take special note of that, one little big single letter word in the title God's will in afflictions is that I may and we go from there and try to answer that I'm thinking of three reasons that I included the word I in the title number one is because I need it I don't I have not been, I am not very awfully good at noticing and appreciating the good things that come in afflictions, because afflictions mm, give such mental and bodily pain and trouble me greatly and grievously, back to that definition. So I include the word I for that reason, for my sake. I also included for your sake, to, for you to personalize. You and you and you and you, all of us. Um, everyone watching and hearing, it's for all of us, for us individually. I couldn't have said God's will and afflictions is that we may, or that Christians may, or that people may, but I especially used the word I, to personalize it for me and for you. And the third reason that I chose that word I in the title is in the text verses, those three verses, 67, 71, 75. The word I is found in those three verses a total of six times. So the author uses it and we use it in the title. Going to these three verses, verse 67, and you know the answer to that question given in the title, do you not? God's will in afflictions is that I may keep God's word, keep his word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Astray that word, astray. What does it mean? Well, it was interesting for me to notice that it's said that to go astray is not so much to commit some grievous sin, you know, like moral sins or murder or great maliciousness toward other people. It's not so much grievous sin as simply going one's own way. You know, the me, myself, and I syndrome. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Ray Pritchard says, see if you can follow this. The psalmist means that before his troubles came, he was on top of the world, tolling down the highway of life with the top down and the music blaring. He was the most from coast to coast. His life was on cruise control. Things were good. His wife was happy. His children were doing great. His career was on the upswing, and little by little he was reaching his goals. Life wasn't perfect, but it sure was good. He prayed, but not much. He read his Bible, but not with much conviction. He went through the motions, but in his heart he felt pretty good about how things were going. His prosperity had caused him to push God to the edge of life. And I ask, how many in America are there like that, that are going astray, as the term is there in verse 67? How many in our community are astray in that me, myself, and I Welcome thing? and thank you for choosing freeconferencecall.com. You're helping people around but really, the world. really, I need to ask more personal questions than that. How about me? How am I doing in that of... Living for myself with God, just like Mr. Pritchard says, just at the edge of things. How about you? How about you? How about me? Astray. Now the author says quite clearly and right up front here in verse 67, and you have seen that, that being afflicted saved him from this condition and brought him to a state of obeying God's word. I could say that a little differently. The author declares that being afflicted saved him from this dread condition of being astray and brought him to that very blessed state of obeying God's word. Obeying God's word. Obeying God's word. As I think of that, I'm looking at Psalm 119, the first eight verses Psalm 119, the first eight verses. And I'm just going to take the time to read these verses. And I would like, if, as you follow along, if you would just notice how many different kinds of words and terms are used that really mean obeying God's word. Let's read it. Psalm 119, 1 through 8. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. You saw it there, that thought and truth of, and need for keeping God's word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. So when one keeps the word of God, he is not only in a blessed state, but he's also in a safe and secure state. Remember the story that Jesus gave about the wise man who built his house upon the rock? And when that storm came, I suppose that wise man was at ease in his house, knowing that he had built on a good foundation. And now when the storms come, he is not but safe and secure. What a blessed thing that is in the spiritual realm especially. I like what Peter said in Acts 5.32 when he was talking to, I think, the Sanhedrin there. He said that the Holy Spirit is given to them that obey God. Thank God for the witness of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. John the Apostle John assures us that the commandments of God are not grievous. You might want to look up that verse in 1 John 5, 3. His commandments are not grievous. As I am thinking of keeping God's word and thinking of those who are really astray in and are not saved, Maybe you're like me and you have such in your family. Perhaps, just perhaps, instead of praying, Lord, bring them to yourself. Maybe it would be better if we would pray, Lord, whatever it takes, even afflictions. If afflictions bring our loved ones to you, uh, would you, in your faithfulness, Bring the right kind of affliction or afflictions. Perhaps, yeah, I really kind of think so. As I think about that, that that wouldn't only be better, but it might even be a more biblical way to pray, more aggressively as we think of those who are astray. All right, verse 67, Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. So, to answer the title, God's will in afflictions is that I may keep his word. Let's go to verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So, God's will in afflictions is that I may learn God's statutes. I remember, let me just mention, tell you again, how that I remember in Sunday school class, right up here, maybe around 20 years ago, that John P. said something um, I thought pretty significant in Sunday school class when he said that one of the vital virtues of the Christian life were of of life in general is for someone to be teachable. Teachable. And do you see that word in verse 71? It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The verb there is learn. So John P. said that we should be teachable. For some reason, maybe obvious reasons, uh, that caught on with me. And I've remembered that. It's also been said that for students, and maybe you are a student in school. You that are maybe five or six or 10 years old or up to 18, you're in school. Maybe kind of in school, maybe digital computer school right now. It's been said that there are the three most important things about school are these. See if you agree. The One important thing is that you Complete your lessons. It's just important that you get your lessons done. None of this tardy stuff, none of this partway stuff. But it's important that when one goes to school, that he learns, that he completes his lessons. Number two, it's even more vital that when one goes to school and he's completing his lessons, that in the process you are learning. Really, that's what school is all about. It's designed for people to learn. And one good way for them to learn is to complete their lessons because those lessons are designed to teach. But secondly, let me say again, it's even more important that you learn as you do the lessons. But there's something even more important yet. Do you know what that is? Maybe the most important thing that you can develop in school is that you learn to love learning. That one le- learns to love learning. And when he loves learning, that will keep him in good stead the rest of your life, the rest of his life, the rest of your life. To learn, love learning so that when, on graduation day, that you don't quit learning, but that learning becomes a lifelong quest When one learns, loves to learn, he will probably be quick to learn and will be able to learn and to apply those learnings, those lessons, in life. Number one, complete your lessons. Number two, learn while you're doing it. But number three, learn to love learning. As important as that is in school, you students, It's even more important in the school of God, all the rest of us, all of us here, all of us listening here. The school of God. It's important that we complete our lessons. We can say let's have our devotions. And it's even more important that we learn from God's word as we read and study it. But the most important thing is that we learn to love God's word all our lifetime through. We're talking about learn God's will and affliction is that I may, verse 71, learn his statutes. I think of Dave King. A couple of years ago in instruction class, he said something that impressed me quite a bit. Let me just tell you about it. And Dave, if I don't say it quite right, ah, maybe you can straighten me out sometime. But something like this is what I remember that you said. That the subject might have been on personal devotions, or learning from God's word, I'm not sure. But you said that you went and took literally the idea in scripture of going into one's closet and you so that you could so that you could more completely um, block out all distractions. You went into a closet for a while to have your personal time with God. And that, it was a pretty stripped down, empty closet. I think maybe you said there was one picture there that was kind of a prayer request reminder. And there you, you spent time with God. I think you stressed spending time with God as well. Remember, we're talking about learning. And that impressed me so much that I went, well, let me just say that I, at that time in my life, was having a little shorter devotions than I maybe sometimes have had and than I should have had. And I had good reasons for having short devotions because I was going to market three days a week and needed to leave the house as early as three o'clock in the morning. But after Dave said that and encouraged the instruction class and me too in the process, I I arranged that I set my alarm clock earlier and had more time so that I could learn. Because a key to learning in devotions and in all of life is to have time to listen to what God says. It's one thing to read a, a text. A little bit speedy like, and be thinking a few other things on the side, but a key to learning as you read and study God's word is to listen to have time to listen to what God says. A key to learning is to listen and another and a key to listening is that idea of lingering, just having time to for the lord to be able to speak for the holy spirit to, uh, to go through one's mind and heart and so if one really wants to learn i think maybe a key would be to linger over god's word even in mornings when you're extra tired or the Text is a little bit boring or hard to understand. Linger and listen. One who lingers and listens will surely learn, I believe. But do you notice, still in verse 71, that the author says and declares that being afflicted helped him become a better student. After afflictions, his spiritual IQ increased. His spiritual IQ increased. What a wonderful thing that is. So, God's will in afflictions is that I may learn his statutes. Emphasis on learning of God. Learning and understanding. Linger, listen, learn. Ray Pritchard quoted uh, one day, quoted a man named Malcolm M- Muggeridge, and he quotes Mr. Muggeridge, and then he adds uh, some comments of his own. So let me just read that. Mr. Muggeridge said, "As an old man looking back on one's life, it's one of the things that strikes you most forcibly that the only thing that's taught one anything is suffering, not success." Not happiness, not anything like that. The only thing that really teaches one what life's about is suffering. He's right about that. Most of us do not learn very much from good health, happy days, money in the bank, and good fortune. We enjoy those things, but we don't learn much from them. It seems that we all have to spend some time in the school of hard knocks to learn the lessons God has for us. God's will in afflictions is that I may keep his word, verse 67. God's will in afflictions is that I may learn his statutes, verse 71. Thirdly, God's will in afflictions is that I may know his righteousness and faithfulness, verse 75. Do you see it there? I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me God's will in afflictions is that I may know his righteousness and faithfulness thank God that he is always right God is right there's never a time when he's off just a shade or a bit or a tad or a millimeter God is right he's always completely and only right That's a comforting truth. It's also kind of a discomforting truth at times. So he not only sets the standard for morality and judgment, somebody that is always right and nothing but completely right, sets the standard for judgment and morality. Yes, that's true. But not only does he set the standard for morality and judgment, and justice, but he is the standard. Our God is the standard. He is righteous. He is nothing but right. As I think of that, I thank God especially for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Outside of Christ, God's righteousness is a pretty scary thing since I am so nothing but unrighteous I make all kinds of mistakes I'm off a little bit sometimes I make errors in judgment and I sin so I'm far from righteous like God is but thank God that we can be clothed with God's righteousness and know that especially through afflictions I thank God for his faithfulness too it is good for me. Now, verse seventy-five. I know, O Lord, that thou that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. God does that in His faithfulness. As I think of the faithfulness of God, um, I think of the words of A. W. Tozer from maybe fifty years ago. Let me just read a little bit on his. Thoughts on the faithfulness of God. God, being who he is, cannot cease to be what he is, and being what he is, he cannot act out of character with himself. He is at once faithful and immutable. And I just stopped to say that immutable, you might know, means unchangeable. He is at once faithful and immutable, so all his words and acts must be and must remain faithful. Men become unfaithful out of desire, fear, weakness, loss of interest, or because of some strong influence from without. Obviously, none of these forces can affect God in any way. He cannot be compelled from without, but even but ever speaks and acts from within himself by his own sovereign will as it pleases him. Upon God's faithfulness rests our whole hope of future blessedness. Only as he is faithful will his covenant stand and his promises be honored. Only as we have complete assurance that he is faithful, may we live in peace and look forward with assurance to the life to come. The tempted, the anxious, the fearful, the discouraged may all find new hope and new cheer in the knowledge that our heavenly father is faithful. Thank God for his faithfulness. And there's something about afflictions, the psalmist says, and he should know. There's something about afflictions that cause us to know more and appreciate, the implication there is appreciate more God's righteousness, kind of the sterner side of God, and his faithfulness, the loving kindness side of God. Thank God that he is both righteous, both righteous, a little bit scary. but he's, And he is faithful to his people and to all people at all times and forevermore. Well, thank God that we can know the God of the universe who in his righteousness and in his faithfulness blesses us with afflictions so that we can know him better. Let's bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are righteous and faithful in all your ways. You are much more than that, but especially we're thanking and appreciating and loving you for your faithfulness and for your righteousness, Heavenly Father. And I pray in this time of our lives, that we can increase in our faithfulness and righteousness back to you, Heavenly Father. I thank you that you have seen it fit and right and good that afflictions bring us closer to you because when we are afflicted, uh, we are apt to keep your word better. When you send afflictions, we are apt to learn your statutes in a more complete way. And you send us afflictions that um, in a more complete and appreciative way that we know your righteousness and faithfulness. I especially pray for our church in this time. When we can't be gathering together on the Lord's Day and being together every lord's day morning Uh, but i pray that in this time that we can be growing in grace and in the knowledge of the lord and savior that we that we could be um, appreciating and noticing the many 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 blessings that you give us every day i pray that we could come out of this um, more fitted for your kingdom and we pray even so come lord jesus in jesus name amen